Amen. Um, quite a bit of people tonight. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised. Sam was already telling He's been telling me yesterday he has a surprise for me. And um, I didn't know it was my buddy Francis here. <laughs> Welcome, Francis. All right. So we're going to continue with our... Um, uh, this is my first time back on a, on a Sunday uh, for my rest, which is good. Um, I entitled our message tonight, Protect Your Head. Uh, we are still in the series of the book of Ephesians, and we are still in the mini-series of the full armor of God. This is the part four of um, the full armor of God uh, series. Um, Thank you, Will. Like always, um, we always say a word of prayer before we tackle the message. Because that's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit. So please join me in another word of prayer. Father, we rest upon your power. And we rely on you completely. We trust that you called all of us to be your people. And we ask now for the guidance of your Holy Spirit. To open the hearts, our hearts and our minds as we hear your message. As your people hear my voice, Father, I pray that they will hear you speak to them. And I pray for humility, that as they hear your instructions or your commands, I pray that they will humble themselves to you, Father. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us for our sins. Let nothing, Lord God, about us hinder you from speaking to us. And Father, we trust in you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so we're going verse by verse. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, um, it reads, Take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. Um, now, the Roman soldiers wore helmets. They knew that blows to the chest could be fatal. Because they're, you know, the vital organs are there. So they wore a breastplate. And they also knew that a blow in the head could be fatal. So they protected their heads with a helmet. Some helmets, helmets in ancient times were leather and metal pieces fastened onto the leather. Others were solid cast metal. Very much like their breastplates. So there were breastplates of leather with metal riveted to it, as well as those that were molded and pounded with metal. The purpose was to protect the head. From what, you ask? From the broad swords that were being wielded towards their, their, the direction of their head. Now, in battle, battles in ancient times, there were small little daggers called makaira. And that could be a foot long or maybe shorter. They were used in hand-to-hand -hand combat to inflict a fatal blow. Not a, not a love tap, but a fatal blow. Uh, but there were also uh, ramphaya, uh, a massive sword that would be as long as three feet or four feet. And they were double-edged. The, the handle must be gripped with both hands because it was that heavy. And the soldier would raise his sword high over his head and bring it down to the direction 
to give a crushing blow on the head of their enemy, to split open the skull. A soldier had to be alert because a blow like that, if it found its, it, its place in the right point of the head, even if you had a helmet, it could be a crushing and devastating blow. Um, but once you move it, it would deflect that deadly blow if you move the helmet. Now, our soldiers, uh, for a long time, here in, in our country, have a Kevlar helmet. And I'm not sure if this is a Kevlar helmet, but this is Brother Rommel's um, very own helmet that he wore in Afghanistan. So you can touch this later. Um, if you want a demonstration, if it's tough enough, you can wear it. And I have a baseball bat in the office, and <laughs> we can try to... Uh, <laughs> And if we're wrong, we'll give you your money back. <laughs> but this is a Kevlar helmet. John John, if the video is ready, please uh, pay attention to the video here. Take a look at this frightening video shows a U.S. Marine patrol in Afghanistan last year. Watch and listen as a sniper opens fire. You got cover out there? Hey, we got a sniper. Did you see that? One of the Marines is hit in the head, but the Kevlar in his helmet protected him. His comrades were shocked to see that he was not wounded. He said his ears were ringing, but otherwise he's okay. And then he showed his helmet to his buddies. Oh, wow. Very fortunate. But Kevlar. Right. They say, trust your equipment. It will save your life. That's what they tell our soldiers. Now, they say modern helmets provide ballistic protection with an unobstructed field of vision. There is a myth, however, that wearing a helmet will cause baldness. But if this were true, our brother Ro, brother Robert, sister Naomi will be bald. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe not yet then. The helmet, as far as our armor is concerned, is the helmet of salvation. Now, somebody might think, well, that means you don't want to go into this battle, the spiritual battle, unless you're saved. Well, you, you wouldn't even get to wear the armor if you're not saved. The full armor of God is for believers and believers only. Every piece of the full armor of God is for believers. So this is not then, if you see it... Um, the helmet of salvation, this is not talking about the salvation in the sense that um, you get saved. No, it's not. It's different. So somehow we stumbled into the doctrine or teaching of eternal security and the doctrines of assurance in this verse of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And if you don't know it by now, uh, this is one of my favorite uh, doctrines. Now, there's three phases in salvation. But let me read 1 Thessalonians 5.8 for you first. But since, but since we belong to the day, not the night, let us be sober, putting on faith and love of, as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Now, we belong to the day. That's us Christians. We belong in the light. Um. Now, Paul is not saying you need to be a Christian to wear the helmet of salvation. You're already a Christian for you to even have 
a helmet of salvation, but you are to take it with you along with the shield of faith and along with the shoes of the gospel and the breastplate of righteousness and then the belt of truth. All of those things are part of the full armor of a believer. So if you are a Christian, the full armor of God is available for you. You have been issued that full armor. And remember, we've been talking about for many Sundays now, that we Christians are in a battle, in a battle with Satan, against Satan. And he's quite the formidable enemy. Remember? So, but tonight, there, we're going to talk about, my, my first part will be the three parts, three phases of salvation. The first part of salvation is about the past, our past sins. And then about the past sins, we've been saved by that. We've been saved from the penalty of sin, which tells us that that is the uh, justification, the doctrine of justification. At the time that you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were saved from the penalty of sin. That's what happened. That moment that you accepted Jesus as your Lord. Now, if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, you are still doomed by the consequences of your sin, of the consequences of your sin. There is no way that you can save yourself only through Jesus and to Jesus alone. So if you have not done that, it might be wise to do it today. The next part of, of um, the next phase of salvation is um, the present power. It's the present, it's now. Now, you are being sanctified from the power of sin. There is a process, and it's in verse 2. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Because we have these promises, dear, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work to, toward complete holiness because we fear God. Right now, after you accepted Christ, then you go to the second phase of your salvation. And you are being saved continually from the power of sin in the sense that sin no longer has dominion over you. Unlike before, remember when, when before you accepted Christ, you're like, I, I tried to be good, but I can't. It's so much easier for me to be bad. But then when you have become a Christian, when you accepted Jesus, You've been given the power to resist. Sin no longer has the power over you. Some of us, we argue that. Some of us, we think, oh no, that's true for you, but not true for me. Because you're better than me. Because we, we think that's, that's the right way to be a Christian, to be humble. Uh, I, I can never change. No, that's false humility. And that's you buying the lie of the enemy. Right now, when we talk about go to church, when we tell you to do good works, we're not trying to tell you to stay saved. We're not trying to tell you to be saved if you do this. No, because you are saved, you have to want to go to church. You have to want to obey God. Those are the things, because that's your sanctification. That's the process. That's the fruit of your relationship with God. So we are currently, right now, you're in your sanctification phase. But is that what Paul is talking about in the 
helmet of salvation, put on the helmet of salvation? Not necessarily. Now the third part, third phase, the third phase of third phase of salvation is for the future. The future. We will be freed. We will be there's going to be salvation from the presence of sin, which is the glorification part of our salvation. So you've been justified when you accepted Christ, you've been justified. And now you're currently being sanctified. You're in the process to be like Christ. So, but we are promised by God that in the future, we, won't, we will not even be around sin anymore. Now, I don't know about you, but it does get really frustrating. It does get really frustrating for me when I still stumble and sin. Because I rightfully knew and I clearly knew what I was doing. And I believed the lie of Satan. You know that? That when we sin, we believed Satan over God? Yeah. Just like in the garden. Eve chose to believe Satan over what God has told her. This is the third phase of salvation. The glorification part. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1 verse 9. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Again, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Past, present, future. The term salvation includes all three of those. From the moment you receive Christ to the time that you enter into heaven, your salvation is secure. Can I hear an amen? Amen. It's not good. It's not good. It's not up to us. Because if it were up to us, we will screw it up. That's like everything that we've done in our life. But praise God, it's up to Him. Praise God, it's up to Him. Salvation has happened to you. It is happening to you. And it will continue to happen to you. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that, when, so that what you hope for may be fully realized is what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 6 11. and in 1 Peter 6 9 it reads so be truly glad there is wonderfully joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while these trials will show that your faith is genuine it is being tested as fire test and purifies gold through your faith is far more precious than mere gold so are we there? You see, First Peter. No? Okay, wait. So anyway, <laughs> where was, uh, put it back to Hebrews 6.11. Are we there? Okay, just put it back to 1 Corinthians 1.9, please. Okay, I'll read 1 Peter 1.6-9. So truly be glad. This is... Wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire and purifies gold. Through Your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love Him even though you have never seen Him. 
Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Their reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. That's First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. Now, if, um, if you want to read it later with your, in your Bible, please do so. Um, but we have all been given this great and precious promise of a future final escape. In First Peter, he puts it in this. He put it in this way again, in the opening chapter. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God. Now we have to listen. Through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. We've all been given these great precious promises about future glory. In the words of Paul in, to the Galatians, he says in chapter 5, verse 5, you essentially are waiting for the hope of righteousness, the hope of glory. In fact, like the creation in Romans 8 says, we groan, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, I don't know. I, I think we will find it hard to be excited about our future in heaven and our time with the Lord if we're so captivated by this world. If we're still truly and very much invested in this world right here, right now, we will find it very scary to not have it anymore. Don't you agree? Because if this is what you truly treasure, what's the point of going to heaven? You don't want to die. Even though you know your promised heaven, you're like, Lord, not me, Lord, not me. Wait, Lord, wait until I'm old and gray. Can you please take me when I'm like... When I don't want to be here anymore. But right now I want to be here still. So the, with, with our brothers, the apostles, they have all written down here that there should be that excitement. We should be sharing that excitement with these, with these people, right? Because truly, I get it. We're truly blessed in this country. Our lives here is far better than anybody else. Because as I was preparing this, I'm, I'm thinking about the glory, glorified life. I am. And, and, and I'm thinking how good my life is right now too. But you know, at the end of the day, this world is not perfect. And the, the, the hard thing about this not being perfect is that us, we're always, we're always being attacked by the enemy. That every single time we are being compromised. And for me, I'm, I'm really sick and tired of it. I'm really sick and tired of being always in the battle. Because this world is completely upside down. Our culture, we can't even say boy or girl unless they really say that that's, or he or she, if that's the right pronouns. You'll get in trouble now. And I thought I was bad in English. <laughs> but now it's the whole society now. So what are we talking about? What are we talking about when we talk about the helmet of salvation? We're talking about the confidence in the full, final, total salvation when we will be finally glorified. 
Do you understand that? The helmet of salvation is the glorified life for the believer. Why is that important? Because when the enemy attacks us, and then somehow it makes us dizzy because we either fell, we succumb to sin, or we're doubting. We have to understand that the helmet of salvation is telling us the trials that you're facing now is not even half of the, of the, of the, the rewards that you're going to get once you go to heaven with the Lord. And, and, and once and for all, once you're with Him, there will be no more struggle. There will be no more struggle. For those of us, this, for most of us, sincere believers, we hate it when we fall. Although we still fall. We go to tears for some of us. We, we cry, we say, Lord, I don't know why I did it, but I did it again. So the sec next part is the need. The need for the helmet of salvation. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's, what it's, that's, that's the struggle right there. Um, this is uh, John MacArthur. He said, I am convinced that if you believe that you can lose your salvation, you are ill-equipped to engage in the battle if you're not sure you can win, you very likely will be tempted to turn into some kind of a monk who flees from any threat at all. Makes a huge difference, a huge difference. You can't lose. That is the promise of Scripture. The promise of Scripture is that once we're saved, we're always saved. Amen? Now that is not a license to sin which myself took before. The truth about salvation is that your sins in the past, your sins today, and your sins in the future have been paid for. The work of Christ on the cross is perfect. It's complete. There's no adding to it. There's no deducting to it. However, knowing that, it doesn't give us the license to sin. Knowing that God has paid for all of it, the, product from, the byproduct from our hearts should be love for Him, gratitude and humility and willingness to obey Him, to give our lives for Him, because He's done everything for us. Now, the helmet is a metaphor for protecting the mind. The Apostle Paul wants us to guard our thoughts. If the devil can tamper with our thoughts, he can meddle with our lives. How we perceive Christ and, and His teachings affects all of, all of life. Our beliefs determine our behavior, our direction, and our destiny. That's why in Romans 12, Paul talks about the renewing of our minds. Us Christians, it's not a religion. Religion is outside work and then to bring it in you. Our relationship with Christ is, it's a change from the inside out. It's a change from the inside out. We have a distinct Christianity ident Christian identity. In, f in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul tells us to put on as a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
we have been issued, we have been given the helmet of salvation. Salvation is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We can be condemned by ourselves, but not saved by ourselves. Now, there is no do-it-yourself Christians, according to Eugene Peterson. Salvation is, is not the end of our journey, but the end of our wandering, William Stoddard said. Neither is it the end of our battle with sin. Not because we accepted Christ in the past, it, we, we don't struggle with sin anymore. That's not, that's not true. The battlefield of the mind is constantly under assault. The devil would like to debilitate us by poisoning our minds. Falsehood comes in many subtle forms. Falsehood comes in certain news network. <laughs> Falsehood comes in different forms. It could be from a university professor who describes Bible teaching as something stupid and idiotic and old school, out of, out of date thinking. It could come from a YouTube or TikTok video that makes fun of our faith. It could come from an influence of an unbelieving friend that we truly like and we truly respect. It can come from a book from an author that we truly love, a book that casts doubt on the person and the work of Christ. It can come from a website that encourages readers to live any way they want. It could come from a fortune cookie that I ate this morning or this lunchtime. And the, cook, the fortune said the winning lottery number. No, no, no. It, it, said, it said, do anything. If it feels good, do it. Feels good, do it. Really? You know what's good? Adobo's good, right? You know what's really good? The fatty adobo. That's really good. You know what's really good? The, that fatty adobo that really dries up. You wait for it to dry. And it's really fatty. And you can see the, you know, the cholesterol, the grease is coming out. And then you have this cold rice, right? And you put it there. And you stick it. You're just like, mm, beat sushi all day, right? That's what's really good for me. But is that really, is that really good for me, health-wise? No. My, my heart says otherwise. <laughs> See, everything. Falsehood comes in many subtle forms, especially about our faith. Especially about how to live your life. The world tells us, follow your heart. The Bible says, the heart is the most deceiving of all. Jesus said, out of the heart comes murder, theft, adultery. But the world says, no, follow your heart. Now or never. Now we have to, you have to be warned by this. The psalmist writes here in Psalm 101.3, I will set no wicked, unclean thing before my eyes. Now Christians, we have the freedom, freedom from the Lord to live the way we want to live. Hopefully it's living the way He wants us to live. But we are never told to like dress in a certain way or do this or do that. We're told to live for Him. But we have to watch. We have to watch what we're watching. We need to evaluate and consider the messages that compete for our approval. Meaning our approval based on God's teaching. We have to be considerate. We have to watch these things. 
We just can't take it. We also need to be able to defend the truth that we profess. That's in Proverbs 15, 14. A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool's feeds on trash. Trash. There's a lot of trash programs out there that we're willingly taking in. I don't know how many Netflix binge you've done about Christianity, right? How many Netflix series have you finished about the second coming of the Lord? <laughs> how about a, 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 a five-hour reading, full reading, fully entertained reading of the Bible? How many of you have done that so far this year? How many of you are truly excited to get down on your knees and speak to the living God about your day? Versus posting it on your status, having a great day. Before saying, Lord, thank you for this great day. We have to truly watch it, right? We are saved by grace. And once we're saved, we're always saved. But see, the helmet of salvation is to protect us from the lies of the enemy. And the lies of the enemy comes in different ways. From the programs that you watch, that you take in without even noticing it. And you're starting to live like that. You're starting to have that same principle in your life. It's whatever series you're watching, that's how your life is. If you're watching TFC, you're always fighting with your spouse. Because you're watching this. Walang forever. Right? You're going to be dramatic. You're copying what you're watching. You're, you're living out what you're reading. You're manifesting it. Right? Now, our enemy wants to destroy us. He is the father of lies and he attacks the mind. If you wear the helmet of salvation, you know that God has saved me. I am saved forever, but I need to live for him. I need to live for him. We need that helmet to be, to be worn at all times. We need to guard our minds. We cannot afford the consequences of negative thoughts. 2 Corinthians 11.3, As the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts can be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now sometimes we see what we want to see. Sometimes we see what we want to see. We jump to conclusions. And we forget that we have blind spots. And we miss the big picture. When we're having trouble controlling our thoughts, when we're not seeing clearly, we need to go to prayer. We need to feed ourselves with God's word and go to trusted friends for encouragement. Hopefully those friends are God-fearing friends. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take every thought captive to obey Christ, not to disobey, but to obey Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that the Christian life is a race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 tells us that the Christian life is like a boxing match. And Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that the Christian life is a war. So whichever Christian person you've listened to that says, Christian life is a blessing, or life of roses, no. Bed of roses, no. It's not a playground. We are in a battle. I'm not trying to scare you because our God has won the war. But we have our own battles to fight. 
And we cannot win that fight, we cannot survive that fight if you're not putting on the full armor of God. If your mind is discouraged, if your mind has been derailed, how does the enemy lie to us Christians? It's, it goes like this, at least for me. I'm trying to walk in, in the, this, the path of God, right? This, 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 the narrow road in the, in, in the essence of, of money. I would say I need to be a good steward of God's money and God's blessing. I need to give my tithes to Him. And I need to spend this the right way. Now, what's the right way? That's when the enemy attacks. The enemy attacks this way. Joe, you work so hard. You work too hard for that money. What's another car for you? You know what? You deserve to go back to Mexico. <laughs> And then I say, that's right. <laughs> I deserve that car and I deserve that trip. Let me lessen my tights to this month. <laughs> it comes in different ways for everybody who has their own struggle. But it can be, it will always be in a, in a way that contradicts God's command to us. It always does, right? Now, there's a purpose, the purpose for the helmet of salvation. Remember, remember David, the young David, in 1 Samuel 17, 32 to 40. This was the account when David went to Saul and he said, don't be afraid of this Philistine. God will win this battle for his people. Remember that? And this is verse 37. The Lord who rescued me. From the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. This is the young David telling Saul, King Saul, that he is confident. The young David is confident that he will win the battle against this big, this giant, experienced warrior that nobody else wanted to fight. Only David, because David did not look by his strength. Or lack of. David knows about God's blessings to him from his past. The Lord who rescued me. See? He didn't say, I have a technique against the lion. I will use that same jujitsu move that I did with the bear. No, he didn't say that. It's the Lord who rescued me. The doctrine or teaching of eternal security and the doctrines of assurance is what we touched on tonight in this helmet of salvation. When you have that kind of promised invincibility, it changes the way you approach the battle. What's the invincibility? That you, whatever we go through here, God will reward us. Whatever trials we're going through, God knows and God will reward us. That should be the, 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 the courage there, the invincibility there. It should be like for a person that knows that I'm fast enough to rescue that child that in, that's in that burning house right now. Right? For a person that has the ability and the agility, and they would go in a burning building to rescue someone. 
Not because they don't think that they're going to get hurt, but they think they can do it and they would do it rather than not do it. For us Christians who has the assurance of salvation, who has the helmet of salvation, knowing that everything that we're going through here, God is, it's all accounted for by God. We should be doing it with, with ease. Our obedience for God must be with ease, not with struggle. Because we should know that God, you know, like uh, my, my calendar reminded me that it will be, it will be three years, 2022 right now, right? It will be three years from the anniversary when our car was jacked in, uh, when we were in uh, Richmond while eating dim sum. <laughs> Don't eat dim sum in Richmond. <laughs> um, so that was... Uh, a very bad experience. It was a very sad experience. But Jana brought it up last Thursday in the youth group where she said, it was so horrific for me. I was crying. It, I was, she was shocked because it was the first time for her, right? That her, our car was broken into. All the things that they got from the Philippines were stolen. All our bags were taken. And she was in tears. But she said, but I knew for some reason that it will be okay because God, dad keeps telling me that God knows all things. And that God, and I know that, that God through dad will fix this. That's what she said. I don't know if we have that same confidence in our father in heaven. When we're going through trials here, when we're going through the struggles here. That is the whole point of the helmet of salvation. You have to remember that our Father in heaven knows your struggles. You have to remember that He knows your heartaches and that He will make it right sooner or later. He will. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. Past, present, future. The term salvation includes all of these the penalty from sin, from the power of sin, from the presence of sin. From the moment you receive Christ to the time that you enter into heaven, your salvation is secure. Salvation has happened to you. It is happening to you. And it will happen to you. Now the question to you now, are you a true soldier of the cross? We all know people who are confused about their spiritual condition, who lack assurance of salvation, because there are some people there that teach that you can lose your salvation. If we lose hope of heaven, we've little hope, we have little hope of dealing with our present trials. If, we, if there is no heaven, then we might as well just give up. Because it seems like the enemy, the evil, is winning, right? But there is heaven. The helmet of salvation includes a confident assurance and security, a no-so salvation. I know so. God's plan doesn't leave us wondering if we are going to make it to heaven or not. Assurance of salvation, the assurance is our birthright. And it is based on God's promises. And God never breaks His promise. Amen? Now, God's warriors, 
God's warriors, you need a mindset of victory. A person who has a negative, I'm always defeated, poor me attitude, you'll get nowhere. A Christian who says, oh, Satan is so powerful, he's so powerful. You're not going to go anywhere. I don't want to work for the Lord because everybody that works for the Lord, they say they get attacked. I don't want to be attacked. <laughs> you just said Satan is more powerful than God that you are, willing, that you are wanting to ser serve. But ye, if you have this assurance, which you do, it's your birthright. It is based on God's promise. When Moses sent soldiers into Canaan to conduct a recon work, their mission was to assess the land. And when they made their assessment on the threat, they were divided. Some people said, oh, we cannot do it. The people there are so big, we will lose. They will kill us. But except, except for Joshua and Caleb, when they urged Moses in Numbers 13.30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You see that steadfast confidence? That's their steadfast confidence, not on themselves, but on the living God, just like David. Amen? Amen? Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't saying that they were fireproof, but they said, our God will rescue us from that fire. But even if he does it, we will not surrender. We will not kneel down to your idol. We need that steadfast confidence. The battle lines are drawn. Let's not be caught shamefaced when our commanding officer, Jesus Christ, appears. Amen? Amen? That is our message tonight. Thank you for your patience. Please join me in a word of prayer as the music team makes their way up here. If you have any decisions you want to make this evening for our guest, uh, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, then you would like to do that tonight. So that you can also have the assurance of salvation. Please come up so we can lead you into that prayer. If you have any prayer needs. If you, there is any struggle in your life that you need God's help. Please come up so we can pray for you. Or if you've been visiting us and um, God has put it in your heart to become a part of this church. Please come up so we can recognize you. Let's pray. Father we thank you for your message tonight. I pray, Father God, that um, you will remind us of the important truths, Lord God, that you want us to keep and to live by. I pray, Father God, that though we may have been distracted, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will be the one to just ingrain the truth in our souls, in our hearts, in order for us to live a life that is pleasing to you. I pray, Father God, for my brothers and my sisters that if they never had the assurance of salvation, I pray, Father, that this is the evening that they will forever have it, that they will forever be wearing the helmet of salvation that you intended for all of us to be wearing at all times. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. And Father, I pray for those souls who are lost. I pray that they will surrender their life tonight. And Father, I pray for those who need help. I pray that you rescue them, Lord God. And I pray for healing for those who are sick, Lord God. And again, Father, I pray for the rest of the evening. I pray that you are pleased with us.
In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's all rise for the closing song.